Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Tammy Faye. What'd you do? Hello, Mother. This is Jim Baker, my husband. <laughs> it's all part of our mission to help people. Anyone who's hurting or they feel like they've been left out. God has a plan for us. What'd he tell you to do this time? Jesus keeps a ticking me higher and higher. Jim will preach and I'll sing. Higher and higher. God does not want us to be poor. Wonderful, a pleasure. Now God has a voice in this fight. Who's he fighting? Liberal agenda. Homosexual agenda. Faith isn't political. You can't talk to him like that. Jerry Falwell is a powerful man, Tammy Faye. She's a firecracker, Jim. <laughs> if everyone watching could double their pledge just for one month, God loves you. He really does. We're not doing anything wrong, though. Is that a question? Tammy and I are undergoing the most vicious attacks. Serving God don't feel like it should be a money-making opportunity. You know, when I saw that clipping with my face on it, I thought for a second that you were proud of me. Oh, Tammy Faye, you follow blindly. In the end, all you are is blind. These eyes. I just want to love people. The devil's coming for me, Tammy. Can we talk about Satan later, Jim? Steve is a patient of AIDS. I can't look at this. You need to get her under control. I built you an empire. You built you an empire. Some people, they're just hurting so bad, and we just need to love them. I want to put my arm around you. And I want to put my arms around you, Tammy Faye. <laughs> For it, looking in the rear view mirror of my life. This is who I am. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for the eyes of Tammy Faye, and the story is as follows. In the 1970s, Tammy Faye Baker and her husband Jim rise from humble beginnings to create the world's largest religious broadcasting network and theme park. Tammy Faye becomes legendary for her indelible eyelashes, her idiosyncratic singing, and her eagerness to embrace people from all walks of life. However, Financial improprieties, scheming rivals, and scandal soon threaten to topple their carefully constructed empire. The film is starring Jessica Chastain, Andrew Garfield, Cherry Jones, and Vincent D'Onofrio. It is directed by Michael Showalter, written by Abe Sylvia. Here today to join me for this podcast review, I have Nicole Ackman. Hi, everybody. Daniel Howitt. Hello, hello. Josh Parm. Hello, hello. And Tom O'Brien. Hi, everyone. All right. May God bless this podcast, everyone. Here we go. (laughs) The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Uh, Another biopic. You know, we always seem to get many of these every single year. But this one being directed by Michael Showalter, who has uh, left behind him 
I don't want to say the most consistent filmography, but when he hits, he really, really does hit with movies like The Big Sick. Um, I also really liked uh, Hello, My Name is Doris. But then you do have some inconsistencies in there, right, with films like The Lovebirds. And, of course, uh, you know, there's Wet Hot American Summer. Uh, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, I would argue, is probably his most ambitious undertaking yet as a storyteller, especially not just in terms of the scope of the story and how many decades he has to track the life of this very well-known popular figure, but also, too, in presenting a certain viewpoint of, of this person who has been uh, widely talked about over the years. There's many different perceptions of who uh, she is and her relationship with her husband and so on and so forth. So there's some very difficult territory I feel like to navigate through here. Um, I'm curious to know what everyone thinks about it. Um, I, I've only heard snippets uh, from each of you individually, but why don't we first start off with the person who actually lived through seeing uh, Tammy Faye and Jim Baker on television and uh, was also there through the scandal as well, Tom O'Brien. Well, gather around, children. Let me tell you a little story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, well, you know, it, it's you, you would think by the um, news footage included in this, uh, the early part of The Eyes of Tammy Faye, that you think this is the biggest story in the world. Um, during that period, most of the time, any right-thinking person would pretty, had pretty much ignored the 700 Club and the PTL and, and pretty much the way people do now. Uh, the audience was largely um, older ladies from Florida. Uh, but uh, it, it was the Bakers who really brought it to tabloid uh, attention and then became public figures and became the, you know, the subject of mockery. Uh, and, you know, with, with Tammy Faye being so open about their luxurious lifestyle, it uh, pretty much added up pretty quickly for anybody that, oh, they're asking older people to double their pledge and they're living in the lap of luxury. Sounds like crooks to me. So that when the news broke and you see Tom Brokaw and all the anchors reporting it uh, in this film, uh, it was like, yep, knew it. But it was about a two or three day story. Um, Most people didn't know the backstory of this. And uh, that's why I think it may be an eye opener for a few people. Um, But I have to say that uh, having seen those kind of powder blue sets uh, on TV at the time, uh, the production team here really nailed it. The look, everything about it is really spot on. So uh, from someone who saw it firsthand, uh, this is a pretty good recreation of what those kinds of shows really like so uh they started off on firm footing with that all right very very nice uh why don't we hear next from josh parm josh what did you think of the eyes of tammy faye i am a little mixed on the movie if i'm gonna be honest i think that the parts of this film that work the most are i think for one the performances particularly like jessica chastain i think that she is actually really really great in this role finds a way to make this actually kind of complex in ways that I didn't, I don't think you would imagine even knowing how great of an actress she is. Um, and I do think that like for the most part, the filmmaking is pretty good. It, it's not particularly flashy except in a couple places, but I think it's good of at least feeling like it's consistent and controlling sort of parts of that story. But the big problem that I have with this film is that it, the tone I can never really get a handle on. It just seems like it 
wants to be serious, but then sort of can't be fun at the same time. And that never really flowed that naturally to me. And I also don't know if this is really something of a deep portrait of the Bakers. And I think that there's some complexity that's kind of missing in the storytelling as well. And that sort of brings me down. So I don't know. It's not a terrible movie, but I am quite mixed on it for sure. All right. Nicole Ackman. I will admit that I knew nothing about the Bakers uh, whenever I first heard about this movie and, and don't know that much, you know, other than, than what the movie shows. But maybe because of that, I was so fascinated by this story. And I think that the performances are so good. I mean, I love Jessica Chastain, but what she's doing here really is a revelation. Like I genuinely at times while watching it forgot that I was watching Jessica Chastain because she does really disappear into this role. And I think actually Andrew Garfield gives a really nice performance as well. Uh, Obviously not on the same level as Jessica Chastain, but still, still really good. And I think that it's an interesting portrait. Like Josh said, it's not the deepest portrait of this woman. Uh, but I do think that she's an interesting figure because of the ways in which, you know, she was this icon of sort of the evangelical church, but at the same time was talking about gay rights and AIDS and things at a time whenever the church was not talking about them in the way that she was. Let me say it that way. And I I think that, you know, it's a really enjoyable film. And I feel like people who aren't super familiar with this story will get something from it. But at the same time, obviously, people who remember all of this happening probably can get something out of it as well. So it's not like a perfect movie by any means. And it's definitely too long. But I really enjoyed it. All righty. And Daniel Howitt. Much like Nicole, I I really didn't know anything about the Bakers at all. I knew I know a bit more about figures like Pat Robertson and Jerry Falwell, because obviously they made a, a bigger name for themselves on the, the political stage and things like that. But yeah, this story was honestly really brand new to me. And I agree with what Nicole said as well. I think for people who don't know anything about the story, uh, I I think it's really enjoyable. It's pretty fascinating. Um, of course, the the number one standout is Jessica Chastain. That's obvious. She She's brilliant. Uh, it's not an easy character to portray, I think this could have so easily been like kind of a cartoonish performance or an SNL sketch or or even just something totally like inhuman. And and she just nails the performance in every way, even though she's like drowning in makeup um, and the makeup's not necessarily the best. Um, but she still carries this movie on her back and everything is elevated because of her, including Andrew Garfield, who, who's pretty solid uh, in the film as well. So yeah, I think I think the movie is is really solid. It's got all the the typical biopic tropes that we know. The structure is very familiar, but because the story itself is so unique, it really stands out. We don't have other stories set in this world, and so it, it's just kind of fascinating. It and it also made for a, a biopic that's a lot funnier than most. Um, I definitely hear hear what Josh is saying about the inconsistent tone. Um, I I can't really argue against that too much, but I I did find it funny enough that the the kind of oscillating tone didn't bother me uh, really. I, I found this movie pretty funny, mostly because of how absurd it is. Like the characters are absurd, they're charismatic, uh, they're the especially Tammy Faye is just really complex, uh, honestly. 
So it made for a really fascinating, funny watch, knowing nothing about the story. I totally agree. This is not hard hitting. This isn't a super deep portrait of them, even from the little, you know, that I've kind of read up after seeing the film. Um, I do think um, some people who know more about the story might feel that the characters get off too easy. And I think that might be a fair criticism. Um, But when I was watching it, I didn't know any of that. So, um, so I think this movie is is bumpy, but overall, I, I I really really enjoyed it quite a lot, actually. I feel like Michael Showalter has to walk a really fine line with this movie, and uh, you said it there, Howard, between uh, portraying these people as three dimensional uh, humans, but also um, the absurdity of not just. You know, the way they talk, behave, but also the uh, outlandish excess that came from uh, the success of their show and the lavish lifestyle that they led. It's a very, very interesting and unique entry point into, as you mentioned, a world that we don't really see that often portrayed uh, in uh, contemporary media. And I think a large reason for that also is because um, nowadays, you know, tackling televangelists uh, i mean you know i think that that's also a very risky thing because they still are to this day in certain parts of the country extremely powerful and very popular by robertson's still on the 700 club today <laughs> exactly so <laughs> having that critical uh lens uh through through all of this i think will invite you know uh, controversy discussion and maybe even some repercussions from certain groups as well so you know, it's a bit daring to tackle something like this. This being an older story, though, and there being some time between when uh, Tammy and Jim uh, rose up during uh, this very transitional time period for uh, the PTL television network and so on and so forth, you know, does allow, I think, there to be a bit more um, uh, of an examination to be had here and ask some questions uh, but I, I got to commend Michael Showalter for, in my opinion, uh, definitely getting the tone of this right. My biggest concern as someone like Nicole, like, uh, you know, uh, a few of you who said this before, uh, but I talked to Tom about this as well and a few others outside of uh, NBP was when it was all over, I was curious as to how much the movie was rehabilitating her image to a point where I almost didn't believe it like I had this feeling of okay like I'm sure these were her intentions but how much did she really not know about what her husband was doing Uh, I mean like how much of this is just to save face and so on and so forth I had a hard time believing that she could be this close with her husband even though it's a different time period in terms of uh, women's roles uh, within business and so on and so forth and the movie does touch upon that um, in one particular scene at a um, at a, uh, a gathering at a table uh, and Tammy just trying to be on equal level footing with her husband amongst others within the community uh, but at the same time I, I just you know I had this feeling of is she completely innocent in all of this? Are we really supposed to be on her side 100%? Because the movie makes absolutely, I think, no question and leaves no interpretation for debate that we are supposed to be empathetic and sympathetic and so totally on her side for everything that she went through. Uh, they, I don't think the movie invites any kind of discussion into an alternative point of view at all. Yeah, so- I sort of do agree with that. Um, that is one of the issues that I sort of have with the film is – it really does give a picture of like sort of, uh, you know, Jim Baker is 
the catalyst of everything that really went bad in her life. And right. she was almost like this innocent bystander who just got sucked into it. And right. I don't necessarily think that that's a very nuanced or complex way to want to tackle these people. I think that there's a way to look at their lives that is very complex, but also, as you said, Matt, kind of in, interrogate her own involvement in this and maybe bring about some more layers of complexity to that character. And I think this movie's disinterest in doing that is a poorer form of storytelling to me. Looking at the film, it's it would appear to me that they are telling the film exclusively from Tammy Faye's point of view. Sure. I mean, she's still, you know, obviously around and she's had uh, a level of influence on the making of this. And it's clear that Jessica Chastain as a producer is completely enamored with her. So yeah. I, I, t I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, the there are whole segments of Jim Baker's uh, life and corruption that, you know, he got involved with Jessica Hahn and the, there was a whole lot of payoff, which helped to bring down the to her that helped to bring down the uh, uh, empire that isn't even touched upon here because it didn't have to do directly with Tammy. So what we see are basically the things that impact Tammy directly. I mean, there's also a development about Jim Baker's um, sexuality that kind of comes out of nowhere. And the film doesn't even spend that long, I feel like, on. Mm -hmm. it, it almost feels like it's being tacked on at that point. Like, oh, if you didn't think he was bad enough, we're going to add this as an extra layer to provide contextual reasoning behind why he's treating Tammy the way he is. And it's like, at a certain point, I just felt like, okay, you're really stacking the deck here in terms of how much we're supposed to hate Jim. Yes. <laughs> you know? But in, in, but in terms of the uh, the way the story is told, it's interesting that it's only Tammy's indiscretion that we see more explicitly on camera. Mm -hmm. Jim's is only suggested, just a, you know, a bunch of wrestling on the floor in TV in the TV studio is about as far as we can actually see. But uh, it's that element of Jim Baker's life was very much uh, prominent at that time. When, once the dominoes began to fall. Um, but I think that uh, it's not a bad way to tell the film uh, uh, through Tammy Faye's eyes, but it is it does limit it somewhat in uh, uh, telling the entire story. Well, and I think that that for me at first I was like, why is this movie called this? And then it does sort of seem like it's called The Eyes of Tammy Faye, and it is from her eyes that we really are seeing this whole story in her perspective. Mm -hmm. And I don't think the film completely lets her off. I think it's very clear about the fact that uh, she was in this for the fame and, you know, the glory. And we see those moments where she is early on sort of coveting uh, the lifestyle that they're going to go on to have. And we also see the ways in which she sort of, is pushing Jim at the beginning of the relationship to do more, to be more, and not recognizing the fact that he maybe doesn't have the capacity to do that uh, in a good way. And I think that, if anything, what the film wants us to believe, and I think, you know, it's an acceptable interpretation of events, is that really it's not that you know, that she wasn't involved in all this corruption, but she was turning a blind eye to it. Like, I don't think the film even suggests that she didn't suspect things were going wrong and just choose, you know, chose not to look into it. Um, and I think I, I just I feel like the film is honest about that. And I feel like that's 
from what I've read, you know, it's an interpretation of events, but any of any stance that the film took on her would have been an interpretation. And mm. I don't have an issue with them going with that spin on it. It reminds me a little bit of I, Tanya, mm-hmm. um, in the sense of that was very um, widely publicized story about someone who the media really took and twisted. And, you know, I, I guess the movie tried its darndest to add context and, you know, not make necessarily excuses, but just kind of show a full picture of who she was. And of course, that movie also had a bit of an outlandish uh style and interpretation to it and i feel like the eyes of tammy faye like i said before like really 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 skates along that fine line of just pushing us like too far into absurdity but at the same time i remember like when i walked out of my screening of this i remember thinking oh man if these weren't real people and these were wholly original performances being given by Garfield and Chastain, critics would demolish them because of how over the top they are at times. Um, And it's silly. It's played for laughs early on, especially. Uh, But there is a very interesting take here in regards to um, we are going to take someone that the media has really kind of transformed into their own interpretation of who this character was. And we're going to try our best to give you more context and a different perspective here um and what you choose to do with that is totally up to you you know you can choose to walk away from the eyes of tammy faye with a completely different interpretation of who tammy faye was or you can just hear the argument discuss it debate about it still keep your own opinion or you can wholly disagree about it i i do think that that is the element to this movie that i find to be the most fascinating and interesting though is how much um, a news scandal, what you read in the tabloids and so on and so forth, because it's all four of these clickbait headlines, even back then, uh, how much it does not paint a full picture of who a person actually is. And uh, I'm just curious, has anyone here seen the documentary, The Eyes of Tammy Faye? I haven't. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, I, I haven't either, but I heard that that's what this was primarily uh, based off of. So like that documentary like already kind of provided the legwork in terms of presenting her side of the story. And, you know, you could call into question uh, as, you know, Josh and, you know, a few others that maybe only having that one perspective doesn't paint a full picture. But at the same time, it is our entry point. It is the story that we have. And I would like to one day hear, you know, multiple sides of all of this to kind of get a better idea of, what did she know? What did she not know? Who was involved? Who wasn't? So on and so forth. Uh, because I do think that this world and the characters that populate it is fascinating. Yeah, it's a fine line between obliviousness and intentionally turning a blind eye. And I think the film definitely um, is kind to a degree to Tammy Faye. Uh, I think from the beginning before the corruption it paints her story it paints her character as just kind of being very unself-aware very oblivious uh goofy silly character um and so that when the corruption does start to happen um it's more believable in the film for her to just kind of not uh, just be be unaware or you know believe the best uh, oh we're 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 also, you know cuz cherry jones is obviously the character who's who's trying to poke holes in this throughout the whole thing and she just kind of brushes it off but not 
but it's always painted as obliviousness, which I think mm-hmm. is very generous, obviously, uh, to yeah. Tammy Faye. Um, and so I think it's a really fine line there. And and without knowing, with with me not knowing too terribly much of the history, um, I just kind of uh, mostly accepted it for what it was, knowing in the back of my head, it's probably not this simple. She probably wasn't that oblivious. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that I feel that we can all agree on with this, as I haven't heard a single person say a bad thing about her yet, is I think Jessica Chastain gives a remarkable transformational performance here as Tammy Faye. Uh, we've never really seen her maybe outside of something like The Help, but this is like a whole other level in terms of really embodying a character and just completely disappearing on screen, not just under the makeup, but under the voice, the mannerisms, the way that she carries herself. Uh, this is like the first time that I can recall in a very, very long time where I did not see Jessica Chastain up on that screen. Yeah, she gives an, really an incredible performance, actually, even though there are times when I'm not like terribly invested in some of the storytelling choices of the movie. I think that she is able to really get a very layered performance out of this character. And even like during later parts of the movie where she is caked under all that makeup, you do actually see a really interesting woman underneath that. And I think that is all due to her talents as a, as an actress that she's able to get such complexities out of this character. And I I was completely fascinated by what she was doing throughout this entire film. I also think it's a really interesting performance in that like, not only is it a transformative performance, but we also see her transform over the course of the film because the film actually covers like a fairly long time span. Uh, and we get to see her yes. in all these different iterations of Tammy Faye and sort of grow into the Tammy Faye Baker that like I think of whenever, you know, the, the vague idea I had of her. And I think that what's really interesting is obviously when it starts out and they're like in college, that I was all like, okay, I recognize that's Jessica Chastain. And then by the end of it, I literally forgot that I, it was Jessica Chastain at times. But it also feels like a really natural progression over the, you know, they, they don't do it in a way where you're suddenly like, oh, wow, that's a lot of makeup work, other than the fact that it's like, oh, this character's really gone uh there she's she's really done that but it it always feels natural within the story that they're telling and i think that like that's part of what's so impressive about it and her performance is what made it easy for me to uh kind of tuck tuck the honesties back in my head like uh whenever it was being pretty generous to her character i was able to uh kind of ignore that because she's portraying the character in such an honest and real way um, that it feels believable that she could be as oblivious as she was. You know what I mean? So I think her performance is so honest. And like I said, it could have been such a cartoon, but she makes that character so human and so believable um, that that I was able to let those things slide when it was being really generous to her character. Um, It's not until afterwards when looking things up where I'm like, huh, that's, that that was that was pretty kind to her character. And I know that this is kind of a, you know, obvious approach to the storytelling here. But in regards to the makeup, because uh, a lot of people have pointed out that, you know, it's a lot. I like 
the progression of the application of makeup and how that parallels the psychological abuse between her and Jim. In the beginning, uh, you know, she barely wears any makeup at all and she's beautiful and radiant and her relationship with Jim is at an all-time high. Uh, But as the movie goes on, you know, she is someone who just wants to love people, as she says, but she needs love and she's not getting it from her husband. And I feel like the relationship between them as the years go on and it's clear that he is not attracted to her and he is, you know, just in, you know, the, the religion that they are a part of. I mean, they can't get divorced and that's exemplified through uh, Tammy's relationship uh, with her mother, who also uh, got divorced within this community. They have to stay together. So what does she do? She piles on more makeup, tries to look, um, quote unquote, what society deems as beautiful, doing up her hair and applying all this work to her to make herself um, even more presentable to Jim. Or it's also you can look at it as a way to mask the pain that she is feeling internally. I I feel that it's intentionally messy makeup work at times because of it's supposed to be matching, I feel, where her character is at psychologically. And I really, really like that choice overall. I think it was very smart to begin that film with that opening scene, that shock opening scene. Yeah. Her tattooed lip line and, and eye line. And you see what she has done to herself so that it becomes even more effective when we flash back to see what she used to look like. And Matt, I think you have a good point in that uh, it is intentionally messy, but it's artfully messy as Mm -hmm. things progress because it does reveal character. And uh, it's unlike probably any film I've seen so far this year, I was very aware of the makeup, not necessarily for its uh, prominence, but it, it, but uh, but it's how it's being used, and I think it's one really one of the most artful uses of makeup I've seen in years. And one aspect of the makeup that's not being talked about, also, um, and I'm curious to know what you all thought of this is, uh, they have to age Andrew Garfield, who naturally, even in his thirties, still looks like a baby, <laughs> and so trying to have him play an older Jim Baker, especially in later parts of the movie, I'm just curious to know. I know that her makeup is getting a lot of attention. What did you guys think of the makeup that was applied to Garfield? Yeah, that that's. That's where it kind of lost me on both of the characters, actually, the the facial prosthesis on both of them, the cheeks. Uh, I know that these characters in real life, or the people in real life look a little funny, but but in the film, I, I was not super on board with not I'm not talking about the makeup, like the makeup that's on Tommy, Tammy Faye, but the actual facial, like the cheeks, the teeth, all that it. It was okay. It didn't take me out of the movie. Obviously, I still really, really enjoyed this movie, but it was very hit or miss. I felt like uh, the makeup was very obvious in a lot of scenes and never looked quite right. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. I think maybe I'm just still so scarred from that last scene in Cherry that anything looks good to me these days. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, compared to some of the old makeup that I've seen put on actors who look quite young, I felt like they did a pretty decent job with Andrew Garfield. Because, like you said, Andrew Garfield is not a man who looks his age at, what is he, like 38? God. So they obviously had, like, a pretty big task to do there. And I think they did it decently. And I also think that, like... It works within the realm of this movie in a serious drama. Maybe I would have been more critical of how it looked, but everything in this world is so absurd that felt right to me. Uh, but I also think that this makeup is so interesting because as opposed to a lot of films where we see this sort of transformative makeup, I'm thinking like Judy or like even Darkest Hour, the makeup literally plays a role in this story. Yeah. Uh, which I think makes it like even more prominent and even more impressive that they're able to adequately make that makeup, like really say something about this character. And, and honestly, you know, even as we sort of see him age, that feels like it says something about the corruption that he's involved in. So I, I'm so impressed with this work. And just to defend the Andrew Garfield casting a little bit there too, um, because to your point, Nicole, about like the makeup kind of also not just being a transformative um, tool that is used for the movie, but also it plays a role like with the actual character development. The casting of Garfield is an interesting one because Jim Baker reveals himself to be, quote unquote, not a man to Tammy Faye. And he's still this uh, little boy that she met, you know, many, many years ago. And I actually felt like as the movie progressed, I was warming up more and more to Garfield's casting because I was very unsure about it uh, before seeing the movie. And even in, in the beginning of the film, I he wasn't working for me at all. But once Jim reveals more layers to, um, you know, how he is insecure and so on and so forth, like the Garfield casting just made a lot more sense to me. I am actually going to kind of disagree about Garfield. I think that for the most part, I think he is giving a good performance, and that's just because he's a good actor. But I also feel like it's a little broad at times, which if we're talking about the perspective of this movie, you can sort of understand. But at the same time, because he seems to be of so much of the focus of what kind of spiraled out of control with the bakers were actions that were 
that he was directly involved with, you kind of, at least for me, I kind of earn or yearn more from from that character. And I just feel like the way that Garfield plays it just is a little almost cartoonish in some instances. And I'm not sure if I'm really getting the exact image of who this character should be. And I, I do think a part of that is because of some of the choices that Garfield does with his performance here. It definitely feels to me like they're setting up Jim Baker partially like, how do I say this, as an idiot. Like, yes, he's corrupt and all of that, but it almost seems like a lot of what he does is just due to his own stupidity and the interpretation that the movie is giving us. Like, we see pretty early on that he's not a super capable guy. And it sort of feels like that's what they're running with, in which case the performance, I think, makes sense even if it doesn't totally work but i do think you're right that like you you could argue that there's something a little bit more insidious going on with jim baker and it doesn't feel like garfield ever really approaches that uh and if if the movie were not as over the top as it is in every other way i think garfield's performance would stick out even more as being cartoonish but for me this whole world was so crazy that it worked I mean, they push early on that, to your point, Nicole, that he is incapable and that without Tammy Faye uh, being almost this sort of Lady Macbeth kind of a character to him, um, he never would have succeeded. Uh, I know that he, you know, was for a little while, especially in the early days, uh, the focal point of their show and the presentation and such, like I said, because of gender roles during that time, mostly. But she was the one the film definitely is, illustrates was uh, the creative driving force and the one who was always emotionally pushing him that and, and that. Oh, like I'm annoyed because if you establish that early on that she had more of a prominent role behind the scenes, it then does make the oblivious bystander aspects for later on to be all the more unbelievable to me because they want to show how much of a role that she did have with her husband in creating that show, presenting that show. Yeah, I feel like the film is at odds with itself in regards to that Except, aspect. I do think that we sort of see how, particularly like whenever she has the second baby, she's sort of pushed to the side. And the fact that the other men around Jim definitely don't want Tammy involved. And so I, I don't think it entirely falls apart there. I think what we sort of see is that like she is how he gets his start. And as soon as he gets successful he's ready to cut her out of it as much as he can. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I think that's sort of what they're showing. I, I do think a key scene though, in terms of whether she's oblivious or not, is there's a scene where her mother, Cherry Jones waves a newspaper clipping in her face about diverting mm -hmm. the funds that were coming in from donors to their personal lives. And she, she just kind of laughs it off. And at that moment, I said, this woman is Carmela Soprano. <laughs> she, enjoy, she enjoys the riches and she doesn't want to know where it came from. Right. They have this very big house, all this money. The production design uh, of their, you know, expensive house is really, really, really nice and something to marvel at for sure. But I agree with you. Also, there's like, you know, this stuff with her and her mother and the coat and... I, I understand how, to your point there, Tom, when you're achieving that level of success and the money's rolling in, 
I can understand how, you know, a part of you just would kind of turn off that aspect of your brain and just be like, I don't want to think about where the money is coming from. I don't want to think about how all these nice things are happening and so on and so forth. Kind of just want to live in the moment, you know, especially considering the uh, humble beginnings of where they came from prior to this and, uh, you know, how poor uh, they were at times. You know, the film does. Uh, take its time to uh, show that so but it's also it's it's not just yeah. it's not just um wanting wanting to enjoy the riches i think the sh- the movie does portray the the delusion of it as well that they are doing this for god god has chosen them that uh god doesn't want us to be poor like so i think i think the movie does show that she she genuinely believes it i think i think jim believes it to a lesser degree where he, I think he knows more of what's going on. But in the film, I think Tammy Faye really does believe that this is what, what God has placed us here to do, you know? Yeah. So I, I think it gives, I, I think it's not just wanting the riches, but it's delusion as well. I want to talk about uh, God as a motivator in this movie. Um, I do find it uh, very interesting that whenever good things happen or even bad things happen, the the first thing that the bakers are quick to do is pray in the moment, no matter where they are publicly. <laughs> um, and also, too, it is a driving force between how Tammy uh, was radically different from other people within the PTL television network at the time. I know a lot of folks have uh, concentrated on that scene where, and this really happened in real life, where uh, she had a conversation with the AIDS patient on live television, expressing how, you know, God loves everyone and we should not be separating who he loves and who he doesn't and so on and so forth. And it's once again, one of those things where it's like, if this didn't happen in real life, I would feel like the movie was trying too hard to get us on her side. But no, like that, that really happened. And that was a very bold move for her to do, um, as exemplified by uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's uh, character in this movie, who, you know, clearly paints a picture of the times and uh, who was accepted and who wasn't within the society. Uh, you know, I also just want to say that I think D'Onofrio is really good in this movie, too. Uh, oh, nice. I honestly, I actually kind of preferred him as the best supporting male performance of this character. I thought he did a better job than, uh, than Garfield, honestely. And what I wow. liked, I, I did. I did. I, I legitimately thought that uh, D'Onofrio didn't have enough layers to him. Uh, that I almost thought he was coming off as a two-dimensional villain at times. So that's very interesting. Well, I would argue that, yes, he is not like a complex character, but he's very much a supporting role. You know, he's sort yeah. of outside of their their worldview. And But I like that whenever he entered a room, you just got a sense of how he was going to operate. Like he knows these are the things that he has to accomplish, and he – uh, attacks it with this very like calm and collected identity to him. And I found complex, not a, a ton of complexity, but I just found that the control that D'Onofrio was exuding with that character as being very quiet, but can, but also quite intimidating, I thought was very fascinating and enjoyable to watch. He is a chameleon of an actor. I will give you that. And he does, I think, exude, uh, a commanding presence or menace even uh, very, very well as exemplified through a lot of his other performances that he's given before. And I think he's super underappreciated 
as well. Um, the other supporting performance in this is uh, Cherry Jones uh, playing uh, Tammy's mother. What did you guys think of her uh, playing Rachel in this one? I was crying out for an extra scene. I think something yeah. was missing. Yep. I mean, this this really could have been a nominatable performance if she just had that scene because mm-hmm. all the pieces are there and she's a consummate actress and she would have delivered. And I, I kind of fault the script on that. I also uh, can easily see that if this movie was made uh, even, you know, few years uh, prior to this, I could very easily see her playing uh, Tammy Faye in a, in a different era. I thought that was very interesting, but also at the same time, I'm with you there, Tom. I, I I was waiting. I was patiently waiting, and I was hoping that it would come. But I do think that, uh, to Josh's point, just in terms of a pure supporting role, uh, she provides another layer to Tammy's uh, character, uh, to Je- you know Jessica Chastain's performance as well, that I think uh, you know really enriches the film. All right, so at this point, I think we're going to move over to uh, final thoughts on the eyes of Tammy Faye. So I want to hear first from Daniel Howitt. Dan, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to mention or something you want to reiterate? Yeah, like I said, my opening thoughts, uh, the the movie definitely has all the biopic tropes. Um, One thing that felt a little confusing throughout, I I don't feel like the movie did a good job with with its pacing and, and helping us determine when we were even though they mm-hmm. they they showed the years on the screen um it still felt like it felt like there were huge time jumps and then it was revealed that it was only like it's only been like a year and it felt like it had been 5 to 10 years so it was just kind of it, it didn't give us a great a clear picture of their rise it seemed like their rise was way faster than i expected it to be um, so that, that was slightly confusing, uh, along the way, but, uh, yeah, final thoughts at the end of the day. Um, uh, I really, really did enjoy this movie, um, bumps and all it's, it's not perfect, but, uh, it was highly enjoyable. I think because of that, I, I think I, I enjoyed it so much because it is, uh, straight in the biopic genre, but it felt really unique. Uh, it, it was very funny. Uh, and, and Jessica Chastain is just brilliant. So overall, I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Nicole Ackman. I want to echo what you were just saying about the issues of pacing. And I think the movie is too long. I think they probably could have shaved about 20 minutes off of it. And it would have been able to keep up a, a quick pace a little bit better. Because I think in the middle, it starts to drag a bit. But I also really want to say Jessica Chastain's singing in this. Um, the yeah. scenes of her performing as Tammy Faye are incredible. Uh, she has such a charisma to her that I think really comes out in those sort of performance scenes. And those are some of the most fun ones to watch. This movie definitely ends on a high note with the choir in her head. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that was such a grandiose, great way to end it. And uh, I'm with you, Nicole. I think that like the energy that she brings to those moments, even though it's established, yes, Tammy can sing, but is she the greatest singer in the world? No, <laughs> but she was a performer. And I feel like that's what Chastain nails. Is she nails the performance aspect of this character wanting to put herself out there for the joy of others. I also think that uh, like that scene at the end with the, the choir in her head also sort of hammers in one last time how delusional she really is as a person, which I think is yeah. an important takeaway. And I, the other thing I want to say is the way that the film treats religion, I think is really interesting because whenever you take 
religious figures like these people are and make a film about them. I think there's a weird line to try and walk. And I, I admire the fact that it's, it never falls into sort of being preachy at all or anything like that. And it's very honest about the corruption of the church, but it feels like it's never truly mocking their faith, just the way that they use it. And I think that that's sort of important, um, that like, that's not what the film is taking a swing at at any point. Um, it never feels like it just is mocking them for the sake of it, uh, but for sort of the weird delusional ways in which they use their religion and the corruption within the church itself. So I don't think it's a perfect film. Like, it's got some problems, but at the same time, I really enjoyed it. And I, I just think that what Jessica Chastain does here is absolutely incredible and, and absolutely on par or better than a lot of the, you know, transformative performances that we've seen in, in biopics in the past few years. Josh Parm. Uh, I think the only other thing that I would mention is just once again, commenting on the tone of this movie. I, I sort of have to disagree with the consensus here about kind of enjoying whatever tone this movie was going for. I did not really find it to be that consistent. And I think that there are times when it sort of wants to play things a little bit more seriously in terms of the drama. But then there's other times where it does feel almost like a campy parody of a biopic. And I don't ever think that for me it marries those two kind of tones together in a very natural way. And that was an issue for me with the storytelling, especially when I didn't really find this to be the most complex uh, portrait of these characters in the first place. It then sort of felt like the intentionality was not very consistent from my perspective. And that was something I kind of had an issue with. But this is a uh, fine line that Ridley Scott's going to have to walk later this year with House yeah, of Gucci, too. Yeah, so, I, I yeah. will see about that. I, I don't think it quite worked here. And that's that's part of the elements that don't make me so enthusiastic about the movie. But I do really like Jessica Chastain, and I think that she is giving a really great performance and much more complex than I think the material is at times. And I appreciate that most of all. I think that this is still a pretty flawed execution, but there are enough good elements in there that I can see some value in it, too. And Tom O'Brien. Well, as I, as much as I really admire how Chastain nails every single period of Tammy's life throughout the, the long stretch of this uh, film, I really, I don't want to do woulda, coulda, shoulda, but I really wish they had not followed the biopic trope so closely. It becomes then, and then this happened, and then this happened, and mm -hmm. then this happened. If they had taken the a different approach, like many of the better biopics now, just focus on a short chunk of the baker's life and really examine that thoroughly. I just think it would be a much more satisfying film and the film would be the film's quality would be much closer to the level of quality of uh, Chastain's performance. Yeah, I agree with a lot of the comments that have been said here. Um, one other thing I do want to bring up is I want to bring up the scene that she has um, with Gary, uh, played by uh, Mark uh, Weistrack here, uh, who's a uh, actual country uh, musician and I really, really liked the layers that that added to uh, Tammy Faye 
in how she was wanted by this man. And I really thought that the movie just it brought an extra layer of complexity to her character that made it all the more fascinating. I think to the point earlier about how this is a close to cradle to the grave uh, standard biopic, I think where the movie does excel is adding these layers to uh, Tammy Faye's character and Jessica Chastain's performance obviously helps with that considerably. So I agree that structurally the movie is very conventional, but the character work is something that I really admire and is something that I feel that to Josh's point, Chastain is really elevating the material. And uh, that scene is, you know, just one example of that. Um, I do want to also call attention to the costuming in this movie. Uh, Nicole and uh, Howard and a few others mentioned earlier, there's a lot of time that we go through in this. And while it's not always incredibly clear uh, of where we are and, you know, so on and so forth in terms of like pacing, um, the costuming I felt was uh, extremely well done and had to have a lot of uh, variation to it, especially once again, and also informing us as to the uh, character of Tammy and the progression of her as uh, the years go on and how much she changes as well. And then the production design uh, was also something that I thought was uh, underrated at times because, yes, there's the lavish uh, you know, lifestyle that Jim and Tammy are living later on. But then there's also the television production sets that I found to be a lot of fun as well, uh, kind of like in that a beautiful day in the neighborhood, Mr. Rogers uh, sort of style, which I also really, really appreciated. Um, and then on a final note, uh, as someone who, you know, grew up uh, in a Catholic household uh, his entire life and left religion because of its hypocrisy, corruption and uh, violence that's used for it all over the world, I really do appreciate and Something that I will never take away from anyone that does choose to follow religion for the right reasons is how this movie does portray that there are genuinely good people out there that are using religion to actually do good. And that scene with the uh, with the AIDS patient and other examples of how Tammy just wants to show love to everyone, no matter who they are, is a positive takeaway from religion that... I, I wish people would hone in on more as opposed to the scandal, the corruption and so on and so forth that I do feel nowadays anytime religion is introduced in any form of uh, storytelling in mainstream media, it, it does come with like with an asterisk uh, next to it and it does get heavily criticized as it should. But I really do appreciate that this movie shows how it can be used as a force for good overall. I think this movie is wildly entertaining and I think it's very, very fascinating. I do think it is a step above your conventional biopic and Jessica Chastain's performance is at the very least top three of her career. Uh, you know, one, two or three, your mileage will vary on that. But I think that she is extraordinary in this. I'm giving this a seven out of ten. How it? Look, I'm I'm actually at a at an eight out of ten. I, I I think you used the right words there, Matt. Wildly entertaining. That's that's what this movie was. I was just thoroughly uh, engrossed and entertained. I found it to be hilarious. So eight out of ten. Nicole, I'm actually also an eight out of ten, and it really is Jessica Chastain's performance that pulls it up because I feel like maybe she's giving a ten out of ten performance in a seven out of ten movie, but she is so much of the movie that I'm going with an eight out of ten. Josh Parm? I'm actually going to be a 6 out of 10, which might sound a little harsh for this film, but I just think that the 
the tonal inconsistency and the very straightforward narrative combined with sort of these biopic tropes and the story just I think maybe they weighed a little bit more heavily on me and even though I really like Chastain in this film the stuff around her just does kind of get to me so like I'm mixed on it but mixed positive and a lot of that is because of the central performance Tom O'Brien well, despite my disappointment with the script, uh, Chastain just rises above everything. And uh, what would have been a six out of ten for me if I je- if there was not a performance of that magnitude in in it becomes a very strong seven, thanks to Jessica Chastain. Well, in terms of the Oscar potential for this movie, uh, Jessica Chastain is currently in the driver's seat in either the number one or number two position to win Best Actress right now, depending on who you ask at the moment. So. Um, I think that all of us will probably have her in our predictions, uh, especially after having seen the film now. I I think that it's a very undeniable performance. And as I mentioned earlier, had it been an original performance, not based on a previously existing character, um, I think I think the performance would be coming under much more uh, heavy scrutiny. But I do feel that because this is somebody who a lot of people are familiar with, saw on TV, grew up with, and so on and so forth. Um, her performance is getting uh, the accolades that it deserves, and we're only in September right now. <laughs> yeah, I have a really hard time seeing this as a as an Oscar-winning performance. I, I, I know the field is sort of thin right now just because we're only in September. It's obviously going to grow a lot more. I really can't imagine this winning. Obviously, I don't think any of us uh, think that this is going to come close to a Best Picture nomination. Um, so that's that's a part of the problem. But also, I just think uh, it's a little too goofy. As great as her performance is, I think it's just the the film as a whole is just a little too goofy to to say Oscar winner for me. I actually do think it's got a shot at winning because, I mean, obviously we've seen them go for things in the past like Judy. Uh, so a best actress doesn't necessarily need to be in the best regarded film. And I think that we've already seen that Jessica Chastain is going to get out there and campaign her ass off. Mm -hmm. And I can see them going for this narrative of, okay, she's, you know, she's put in the work, she's charming everyone at every event and pulling beautiful stunts on red carpet. <laughs> uh, and she could keep herself, I think, in the conversation enough that she could actually win. I don't I don't know that I'm going to end up predicting her in the number one spot, but I really do think she's probably at least two or three. And she feels at this point, obviously, we're still early. She feels pretty safe for a nomination, though. I mean, I agree with what how it's said, though. Um, I, too, do not think that this will be nominated for Best Picture. If it is, if it is, then she's definitely winning at that point. Yeah. But I can see this right now, like if I'm being very generous to the movie, you know, I would look at costumes, makeup, Garfield and supporting and Chastain. Yeah. That's like that's like that. And that's me being very generous. That supporting race is going to be really hard. Yeah, completely. So that that's kind of an iffy for me. But he's got the goods to be able to get in, I think. I mean, his scene with her where they're doing their, you know, quote unquote, marriage story, dramatic acting, big fight scene. You know, (laughs) I, I I think voters will look at that as his scene. Yeah. 
And that could really help him along, not to mention, you know, he's an actor that uh, previous nominee, um, he has been very consistent. If, you know, I think the thing that's hindered him uh, over the last couple of years is either he's either giving these really wildly ambitious performances in movies that don't work, uh, but I think people still respect that, or he's doing something like Breathe where... Uh, it's very conventional work, uh, and the movie just never caught on. But I don't think that he's ever been considered, quote-unquote, bad. I think he's immensely respected for his versatility. And, you know, with this and Tick, Tick, Boom, um, I think I think he's definitely going to get a nomination. I just don't know in which category. Yeah, he's going to be everywhere promoting Tick, Tick, Boom, I think. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's, he's, he will have a presence all through award season, I think. Can anyone see a world where this does land in picture? I'm just curious because, like, I- I'm I'm not predicting it, but does anyone recognize that because of how well it plays and Chastain's performance might just be enough to carry it through? Could anyone see a world where it does happen? Uh, not really. It's sitting, I think last time I checked, it was at a 65 on Rotten Tomatoes, which obviously those are not Oscar voters. Uh, mm-hmm. But that would put it in line with only really Adam McKay's movies. Uh, I think really just Vice actually, um, with a film with that low critical reception to to land. Oh, well, in this I picture. guess Joker falls into that category you, yes, too, I suppose. Yes, yes you're right. Yeah. Uh, but I, I really don't think so. Honestly, you say, does anybody see a world? I think the world is every unseen movie that we're anticipating flops. All of them. West Side Story flops. Tick, Tick, Boom flops. Uh, what else is left? Don't look up. Like all of those flop. Uh, maybe we'd be left with some empty spaces. Uh, but yeah, I'm not. I, I really, as much, I love this movie. I really, really enjoyed this movie. It is one of my favorites of the year so far. But no, I, I, I really, truly don't see a world where it happens. To me, it really feels like it's not going to make the 10, but it's in the 20. Sure, I see that. I sort of see it being in a, if you were going to rank all these films, it'd be in those like, teens range uh just because of the performances and because i guess that is also the thing is i do think all the oscar voters are going to watch it to see chastain and so you know maybe there's a world in which that's enough i just look at stuff like the blind side and i say to myself sometimes like how did that get a best picture nomination and it's because the performance was something that really carried the movie into the conversation with it you know exactly and i also could see a world in which more, how do I put this, more conservative Oscar voters sure, like the fact that this is uplifting a woman like Tammy Faye uh, and could sort of go for that over more of the sort of out there pieces that are coming in. And I do, you know, there is still a world in which, like uh, how it was saying, West Side Story flops, Tick, Tick, Boom flops, House of Gucci and Last Duel flop uh, with the voters. And then maybe but i do think like if it's in it's clawing for spots like nine and ten josh you're very critical on the movie overall i'm curious to know like as of today from an oscar prospect standpoint like what are you what are you predicting as of today i think that realistically it's probably just going to be chastain and the makeup i think that I agree that costumes and supporting actor for Garfield are realistically like kind of the ceiling for this movie, but I I don't know if it'll get those nominations right now, but I think actress and makeup are the safest bets. I I don't really see this being in for picture. I I just don't feel like it's that kind of a movie that 
really is going to get in that route. I think it really is just going to be it's such a big like Chastain focus that that's really the only thing that this movie has going for it. I would be shocked if it got in for picture, honestly. Well, I mean, Judy did get in for actress and, you know, just makeup. And, you know, if this is a lone nomination for Chastain, that's going to be a problem. But well, it won't be. <laughs> the movie just needs, I think, one more nomination to seal the deal as far as her winning is concerned. But then if it gets, as I mentioned earlier, on the unbelievably off chance it gets in the picture, then it's a slam dunk done deal, I think, at that point. But um, otherwise, uh, as long as she's not the lone nominee for this film, I, I really, you know, I don't know. I, I think it was you, Howard, who said it before. I, I really think I really think that she could win for this. I think that the televised groups uh, will go for her uh, because it, it it is very mainstream. It's transformational. It ticks off all of the boxes that Ampus voters love, not to mention she's been a very, very prominent actress these last couple of years. She's quote unquote paid her dues. She's a previous nominee. There's just there's a lot going on here. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, where my head is at right now is with a film that you have seen that I haven't, which is Spencer. <laughs> so like I, that that's that's interesting that you feel more confident in Chastain than I do after having seen Spencer. I, I will feel more confident in Stewart if that film is nominated for picture, believe me, because I do believe that that film has a better chance of being nominated for picture than this does. So if that happens, then yes. But otherwise, once again, I, I feel like considering this is also once again, the most transformational performance that she's ever given, uh, Chastain, it does have almost this feeling to it of, now is the right time. Not now or never, because she could always come back. But the timing just does, like, in terms of where she's at in her career, the type of performance this is. She's also a producer on the movie, like I said before. So she's speaking a lot yeah. to developing the project, how she worked on it for so many years. There's there's a lot going yeah. on here in terms of yeah. a narrative. My thing my thing is, though, that, that it's also transformational for Stewart, right? I mean, yeah. I think there's so many uh, Oscar voters who still view her as the Twilight Girl, right? Even though, mm-hmm. of course, she's given phenomenal performances over the past few years. Um, and so I think it's, I think Stuart, uh, I think Spencer can be really viewed as transformational for her and kind of a better story because we've, we've known Jessica Chastain has been a phenomenal actress for years, even though she's, she certainly deserves an Oscar win. Um, and it's, Princess Diana. I mean, we're talking about voters yeah. who will have a relationship or, you know, history with Tammy Faye Baker. I mean, it's Princess Diana. Everyone mm-hmm. in the Academy has history with Princess Diana. So, And this is also the year of Diana in that right. we have the crown. We also have a Diana musical that's opening on Broadway. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. So that's but what I'm saying. I, so be on the mind. You've seen the movie. <laughs> I haven't. So that's the thing. You know, I I can't speak to the actual quality of the performance. But no, I'm I'm incredibly split uh, between the two. I really am. Uh, personal preference is Stewart for me. But in terms of like who will actually win right now of the performances that I have seen, I would give the slight edge to Chastain at this current time. I I, I feel you said it before how at the narrative for Stewart might be instead you know you're still like for some voters oh you're still that person that did those crappy movies all those years ago to us but you're good enough to get the nomination here we'll get you on the next nomination you know welcome to the club sort of thing that's that's where my head is at today but the minute 
if Spencer, you know, overperforms in nominations and gets in for picture and stuff, I will immediately, you know, switch back over to her. But that's, you know, I, I'm not, I'm, li- I'm literally split down the middle. I could see it going either way at this point in time. Uh, Josh, where, where are you at in that race? I am leaning towards Stewart right now, if only because of her film's better chances and best picture, as has already been mentioned. But Chastain, I think that that's a pretty typical kind of performance that wins, too. And I kind of feel like it all depends on how Spencer performs overall. And then if it falters a bit, then I think we just have to see which one the voters and the industry end up going for. I I am not confident right now. And the only reason why I'm giving the edge to Stewart is because her movie has potential to be better. But if it doesn't and stumbles, then I think it could be very close between the two. Yeah, I'm thinking um, just looking at the awards calendar, I can see SAG voters being all over Chastain. Oh, totally. Because they, you know, what she does in here is so obvious and actors can see what she's doing. Um, Not having seen Spencer, it strikes me that what Stewart is doing is a little more interior, which may be more satisfying. I don't, you know, I, I don't want to mischaracterize it without having seen it. But uh, no, I think you, I think you're right on the money. Uh, what, what Chastain does here is just so evident. And to get go back to a point that Nicole made, which was very good, it, we're, we've got a year in which this they have to vote for ten, the voters. And I remember yeah. the last time they had to vote for ten, there was a lot of complaining. Oh, I haven't seen ten good movies and all of that. Well, they have to see this one or for Chastain. And mm-hmm. I think in, you know, when they're getting down to the eight, nine and ten thing, they may throw this in because they've seen it. And it's good enough that I think that some Academy voters will go for it. That's it's a very narrow path to a picture nomination. And I don't think it'll happen. But I could see maybe a world where it might. And if it does, then Chastain is in. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. Obviously, like I mentioned before, we're in September right now. I I appreciate that we're looking at this from so many different angles and pathways that it could go down. So one of us is right. Uh, remember this conversation here, folks. One of us is right. <laughs> and so we'll we'll listen back to this in a few months and we'll see uh, who it was. But um, I, I Rachel agree. Rachel Ziegler comes out with a win for West Side Story. <laughs> Don't tease you with that. <laughs> All right, well, that'll do it here for our discussion of the eyes of Tammy Faye here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Nicole Ackman, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Nicole Ackman16. Tom O'Brien? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Thomas E. O'Brien. Josh Parham? I'm on Twitter at J.R. Parham. Daniel Howitt? I'm on Twitter at HowittDK. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Hey! 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.